Welcome to Season 4 of the Unscripted Podcast, a podcast by medical students about living and learning at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine. On the show, we host a variety of discussions such as navigating the preclinical and clinical years, exploring humanism in medicine, and developing our physician identities outside of the textbook. Check out the show notes or our website for more information, helpful links, resources, and more. Please connect with us via email or on Twitter at unscripted underscore med. We'd love to hear from you, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Unscripted Medicine Podcast. You may not recognize my voice. I'm Andrew Zahn, an M1 here at University of Cincinnati, one of the newest hosts on the Unscripted Podcast team. Today, I have the honor of sitting down with one of our two M4 hosts on the team, Alex Gelati. It's sad to say that this is one of her last episodes with us because she's graduating this year, moving on to bigger and better things, which we're really excited about. But with that, I'll turn over the floor to you, Alex, to talk about where you're at and what's going on. (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. Um, Yeah, for anyone who doesn't recognize my voice, this is Alex. Going to be graduating here soon, um, probably before this episode is released on the 22nd. So that's exciting. Um, I did match in two med peds and I'm making a long trip over to Denver, Colorado. Um, so kind of going through the stress of packing, selling things and housing situations and all that stuff while also preparing for graduation and family <laughs> coming in town. Yeah, so exciting. I've seen your posts on the UCCOM marketplace with all of your furniture and decorations. I haven't bought any myself, but I've been tempted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for anyone listening, if this is out yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the podcast is also turning into a flea market. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, are you excited you're going to Colorado? Um, yeah, how are husband- you feeling about it? Yeah, my husband and I are super excited. Um, It was my first choice. I loved the program, um, all the residents, and I just felt like it was the best fit. It's advice, you know, for those M3s rising to M4s that you get during interview season, like, oh, it's wherever, you know, you feel most at home, that's the best fit. And you're like, that's cliche and a bunch of baloney. But it is true, like, you do get... Even virtual, you get like vibes from programs and mesh better than others. Um, So yeah, I really Mm. love the program. We love Colorado. Um, We're very much outdoorsy people. Got engaged there. My best friend lives there. So it's (laughs) kind of perfect. That's going to be awesome. I'm jealous of you guys. I also love Colorado. And if I could convince my wife to move there, we would. (laughs) What about the program... Like, was there something specific about the program that you can put your finger on where you're like, this is, this is what makes me feel at home here? They just, so I, my logical, I had my logical brain. So they kind of met all my checklists in terms of, I wanted, you know, a strong, cause I'm doing med peds, internal medicine and peds program. I wanted a program that it seemed like from the residents that the program really cared about them and listened to feedback and really adapted because that's really what you want like say you have two programs and one has everything 
on your checklist and the other one has a few missing, but the one that has everything on your checklist, they're very rigid in their ways. They're not really flexible. When life happens, they aren't really adapt well. I can't really say that's a, something you find often in medpeds because I think it's a really great culture. Maybe I'm biased, but <laughs> um, but it just really seemed like they were very flexible. Lots of people um, had kids while in resident residency. And I mean, like the residents themselves had carried and had the kid, not their spouse had a kid. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, and they just seemed very like there was year after year you could see like the residents feedback and the new thing they created. And I just really liked that adaptability and that it's like a newer program too. So it's like 10 years. So they've really been able to like pick all the best aspects of like different programs and like put them, put it in their program. So I don't know. It was the best fit for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, that makes sense. I mean, that's, you know, that's like something you don't really think about when you're this early in school, like as an M1 or an M2 or probably even as an M3 is like, how does that fit? You know, because I feel like a lot of, you know, what we're ingrained with is like looking at prestige or, Mm -hmm. you know, exclusively location. But, you know, those sort of like intangible aspects of the programs are something that I think gets sort of diluted, when you know, down at our level uh, until you're actually going through it. Yeah, highly recommend asking those who are older than you it's a very their most underrated resource is like the people above you um and the residents and asking them like what it was one question that you would ask every program to kind of see if they were a good fit and had like adaptability and wellness (laughs) you want to give that to us right now what's the one question um Oh, it's tough. I used to have like a few that like I had to ask. I always asked the res. I asked both the residents and program directors to tell me one thing that they have changed based on resident feedback. Because I've had the answer of like, oh, here are like 17 initiatives that we've done in the last year based on feedback. And then I've had others like, um, more for from like directors who are like I don't know you should ask the residents and that was a big red flag for me I'm like if you can't tell me the initiatives you've done based on this feedback from residents I don't know it it just it it didn't feel like they had a pulse on what the residents were feeling so yeah I that's that's a great tip yeah <laughs> that makes sense though <laughs> yeah. definitely a, a Definitely a reason to pause and say, does this program actually have, you know, my best interests in mind? So, yeah. well, I wanted to, you know, sort of take it back, rewind, um, and sort of go through your medical school years, the journey. You're at the end Oof. of the journey. So <laughs> what, you know, what brought you to medical school in the first place? I feel like every time someone asks me that question, I have like flashbacks to interviews for medical school. Um, yeah. But yeah <laughs> what, what brought you here? What? What a journey, COVID and all. Um, Yeah, I always kind of knew I wanted to do medicine. If you ask my parents, they'll joke that I had like a little list of like my future plans when I was like eight and being a doctor was it. And I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. Um, 
but how that kind of transformed to, you know, being an adult and consciously making this effort to go through what isn't necessarily an easy path. Um, mid school is quite difficult, but, um, was I was an EMT in undergrad wanting to get like exposure because I learn well hands-on um, and decided based on that experience that I wanted to do more and I, I really did want to do what I was seeing like the physicians in the ED doing. Um, yeah, I wanted more autonomy about the decisions for patient care that I was making and I wanted to make hence the med peds i wanted to be like an ultimate like generalist and wanted to like address social determinants of health and things i was seeing in the ed that i didn't like but felt as an emt i really couldn't make the impact that i wanted so that led me to applying and then getting into cincinnati my family's up here so it was a good fit awesome (laughs) wow so it was like you know a calling you were like a lifetime you know, medical school. I always just like that, that hasn't been my path, but I've, it's always interesting to me to hear people be like, I knew from, you know, yeah. whatever age that like this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. I think that's I've, awesome. I feel like when you're young, it's just like one of the professions you like hear <laughs> about. Everyone wants to be an astronaut, a doctor, the president, whatever, what have you. But um, that's fair. Yeah. That's why I said I, when I made the conscious like actual (laughs) effort to go through was after experiencing the medical field and kind of deciding because there are plenty of different like career options kind of which one was the best fit for me yeah yeah that makes sense if i had followed through with my you know eight-year-old self i'd be an astronaut right now (laughs) that is not panned out so (laughs) i don't know i'm doing something wrong the space and medicine elective and maybe you'll be an astronaut doing medicine in space yeah that'd be very wild (laughs) (laughs) so uh m1 year what what was the experience like coming in did it meet your expectations was uh was school what you thought it would be um m1 year was definitely a big challenge for me because i took a gap year because um, I had worked all through undergrad and wanted some time to travel and not be burnt out <laughs> um, coming in. But it was a real big, like, challenge in terms of I didn't, I don't have anyone in my family in medicine. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really have anyone in Cincinnati that I had already knew at UC that I could ask for advice Um, so trying to find correct study methods, I always felt like I was like two steps behind everyone, um, which can be tough. And then, you know, COVID happened during B&B of first year, (laughs) which made it that much harder. But at least then I was like bonding with my classmates over the, the hecticness of trying to do, um, what is one of the more challenging courses in first year all online Mm. Mm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) deep in that right now yeah (laughs) i get that that would be really challenging (laughs) um yeah i guess you guys were a really unique class because you guys you know experienced like half of the pre-clerkship years in covid 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. How like how was that learning experience overall? I think it made myself and probably my classmates more um, make us have to take more responsibility over learning. Like it wasn't as easy to, you know, do tutoring sessions and, you know, pull a upperclassman aside and be like, what do I expect? What what's going on? My like life is hectic. I don't know how to like study for this and have them give you advice, which we could do the first semester, which was super helpful being able to walk into the the R and R and just during lunch them like overhear what you're saying. They go, Oh, I remember that. Like make sure you're really focusing on these topics or like this is a great resource or here I can send you an Anki deck I have, which was very <laughs> helpful and we just <laughs> didn't have that. But um yeah. so in we had to take that and then in a time where it was really stressful like with the news and everything and the uncertainty of it all um trying to find like healthy you know ways to take care of yourself in a a safe way um was big I think on everyone in my class's mind so although it was more stressful I feel like I got better um wellness focus and habits than I probably would have if I was studying until like five at the school and then going home. <laughs> oh, I see. But yeah, I just, I can't, I mean, I, I just think it'd be really challenging to try and like to, to eliminate all of those resources that you have in person. Yeah. Um, and to try and go through it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really very, tough. very interesting seeing, my test scores in BNB when we were in person, I was able to do like all the sessions and the dissections versus when when it I went all virtual and I was not because like I said I'm a very hands on learner so yeah <laughs> so what um I guess do you think there is any lasting effects? going into like your clerkship years, your third year, or even when you came back in terms of, you know, how, how you experienced that education? Like how did, did that have any impacts you think on the rest of your time in med school? I think once I got in person was actually working with patients. I was very eager and didn't want to take it for granted as maybe I would have, if I was already getting that experience in the first two years. Um, I made sure I was like on top of my studying, but like I said, I had developed some wellness techniques. So making sure I, you know, spent time with my husband who's in Cincinnati and like do things that are going to keep me sane, um, with a busy schedule. I think those are the big things I kind of took from that experience. And it was nice. We're using more like board prep stuff because we were trying to use all the extra materials so I think that helped going forward for like clerkship studying and like uh, pertinent clinical information from what we learned in the preclinical years well I guess to wrap up M1 and M2 year you know after step one what can you tell us what your favorite course was I think my oh 
That's tough. I have two. And I think it's mainly because of the the course directors. <laughs> so I really loved Renal Palm, even though the physiology is really tough. I just really liked it. And I think part of it's because Dr. C is so amazing. <laughs> and then I also like GER. Um, you know, you can't beat both of those courses. I mean, they're so amazing. So... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Yeah. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you have done anything differently? Or do you have any words for words of wisdom for any current M1M2s? Ooh. I think because step one is pass fail, utilizing, and this is easier for year two when I think the tests match more of like board prep. But making sure you're utilizing all of those additional resources, so like Boards and Beyond and um, Sketchy. Oh, I love Sketchy. Um, and all those resources, I would actually utilize those resources and then watch the lectures, which would help me understand the lectures a lot easier. Yeah, a lot easier because someone dumbed down the explanation first and then I was able to get it get it with more ease. Um, and then just making sure you're taking time to take care of yourself. I think we often neglect ourselves. And if you don't eat, sleep, do some form of activity, you're going to be burnt out, come like right before step one, and you're going to be hating your life. Um, and apply for all the like extracurriculars you want to do. It's better to apply and not get it or, apply and get a few and turn down some but I think the things I did associated with medicine but outside of the curriculum really brought me a lot of joy and helped you know connect medicine and what I was learning and kind of the why behind why am I doing all this um this stress (laughs) and learning and intensity yeah. No, I mean, that's a, that's a great tip. Um, you know, I feel like just the podcast itself is, has been great. Cause it like exposes me to other like upperclassmen students like yourself and it like brings it all around. I feel like it rounds out my education. Um, it's like really easy to get into like a tunnel with the lectures and just the material and, I think it's sometimes like you bring up a great point. I think it's sometimes hard to see like what else there is to medicine that we're all missing. So that's a nice creative uh, outlet. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you stay, take step one. Was there like a big sigh of relief? Like you were going into clerkships and like that's your time because you're the hands on learner. Yeah, there was a big sigh of relief once I had step one done. Um, and some anxiety about like, did I pass? Can't wait until scores come out so I can see if I passed. Um, but there was a big sigh of relief and like eagerness to get started and, you know, interact with patients. I started on peds, which is an always a nice transition. Highly recommend starting with peds third year. Um, Cause you just, when kids are cute, you learn so much in terms of like medicine in general, 
that can help you even on your internal medicine. I think there's a lot of building you up and helping you along the way um, during that rotation, which was nice. I was just excited to see patients because we didn't get to do <laughs> LPCC. It like stopped. Um, That's right. So yeah, I was super excited. Was that So was that like... Because you guys still had some clinical skills, but that stopped, you know, your second semester too. I guess what what was it like, you know, sort of lacking those like course threads in terms of patient interactions? I don't, I don't feel like I was lacking. This might be biased because I like worked to, in medicine and had a clinical job prior, um, but. I think the transition online worked really well for clinical skills. And then towards the end of, you know, our second year, maybe a little bit before halfway, um, we switched back to being like semi in person, but we had like the shields and everything. Um, and our groups (laughs) were a little smaller and I think that helped. Um, looking back, I felt, very prepared, actually. If you had asked M2 Alex about to go into M3, I'd say, oh, I'm lacking and all, like, how to take a history or, um, like, physical exam maneuvers. But, and all the course directors are like, you're well prepared. It's fine. Like, breathe. But that's how my whole class felt. And then, like, we transitioned. And I, I felt like we all felt like we were pretty well prepared. Um at least from that aspect. There's a whole different thing about third year and other things you have to figure out um, that might make you feel a little underprepared, but everyone's in the same boat on that. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's that's actually really encouraging to hear because I feel like even just going into like our LPCC or like our fundamentals of doctoring now, you know, like it was intimidating going into like a real patient the first time and like doing a history and physical. So I... It's good to hear, you know, from your perspective that you, like, get there and you'll still feel a little unprepared, but that you're like, no, you're actually really well prepared for this. Like, you can do yeah. this. So yeah. that's awesome to hear. Um, so I, I'm assuming PEDS was your favorite rotation. Is that fair to say? Um, well, I can't say because I'm med PEDS, so I liked my internal <laughs> medicine <laughs> rotation, too. Um. Peds actually caught me off guard because I thought going into clerkship, I try to keep an open mind, but I didn't think I was going to do anything in Peds because being an EMT and seeing like the only time I saw pediatric patients were like sick kids, a child drowning, like things like that. And so I was like, I don't, I can't handle it. I don't want to do Peds. Like I, I went into that and then you get on hospital medicine where you're still dealing with sick kids like they're admitted but it's a little different than sometimes the acuity you see in the ed um and i really really enjoyed that rotation and then i had i think i had surgery next which was a little rough for me because i had known prior i didn't want to do anything surgical but you know being in a surgery is kind of like an aha or like awe-inspiring moment because you're like someone trusted another human 
to open them up and then you're like looking at their organs you're like this is crazy um (laughs) (laughs) this is all the anatomy i learned in the first two years um and then i did internal medicine i really liked it and then i really enjoyed my internal medicine ai which for some people they dread the internal medicine ai but i really liked it so (laughs) <laughs> Hence MedPeds for me. <laughs> that makes sense. It all came together for you. <laughs> um, do you have a most memorable moment from your rotations? Ooh. I mean, I do because I wrote my personal statement. I guess I could mention my personal statement because it's de-identified. Um, from... The clerkship years in general, so M3 and M4, I think my most memorable, my most um, memorable time was during, like I said, my internal medicine AI. I really enjoyed, I was on pink team, which was a new team created because of census and whatnot. And we were a small team. There was only one intern, myself and a senior. And every other team, and attending, of course, but every other team had like three, four uh, interns and like two AIs and two <laughs> M3s. And we also had an M3. Thank goodness. Um, but just kind of having to pick up that patient load. And um, I had one patient where they got admitted um for kind of like pain, they had like metastatic cancer and it was for some pain control. Um, they were like holding on to a lot of urine and everything like that. And just trying to get to know this patient enough so that, um, they would trust us to do the medical care, um, was very rewarding. And I felt like connected to that humanism aspect that sometimes gets lost when you're having to round and go, go, go see everyone on your list. And you have already like put in all the orders in the morning and knew what you wanted to do. And you're just like reciting everything you talked about real quickly. Yeah. I think I had a great attending. She really slowed us down, made us like during that time, make, That's made awesome. us like connect with the patients. We like did family center, center rounds or patient center rounds, which I'm a big proponent of now, um, but it was a great time. Do you, can you explain to us what patient-centered rounds is? Yeah. Um, great, great, great question, actually. Um, so for those who don't know, there are different types of rounding. So there's like table rounding where you literally just sit around a table, go through the patient list, and then you like, may go into the patient room, maybe not. And you just kind of like, this is what we're doing. See ya. Um, and then there's some like normal rounds where they'll do like a mixture of both, um, where they'll like maybe round outside of a patient's room and then go and say like, this is what we're doing. So patient center rounds is when your whole team, this is after you've already pre-rounded, of course. Um, which is where you go into the patient's room really early after you've looked at their labs and you say, sorry for waking you. Can I do a physical exam? And how are you doing? Have you like, if you're on surgery, like, have you pooped? 
or past gas, which are big questions, or you ask them like important questions related to why they're there. And then you round together as a team. But so patient center rounds is you kind of go in all together and you like sit on the bed next to the patient or you sit in a chair, everyone's sitting, we're all relaxed. It's a calming environment. And so you're, you're talking to the patient and you say, I, you know, like I warned you earlier, some of this might be redundant because we've already talked about it, but I just want to update, you know, my team on what we've discussed and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong or interject if anything has changed. And you're really welcoming the patient into their own care. And so you kind of go over the, um, what you've talked about and like the physical exam and then you tell them a little bit about the plan and you say, oh, so we were thinking about because of, you know, this lab value that we saw that was a little low, your potassium was low. We're going to give you some potassium. Would that be okay? And really inviting them to make decisions about their care and ask questions and definitely asking questions and making sure they understand. And I think that's the big difference is you're supposed to leave the room and the patient's supposed to have some understanding of their care and what you're going to do next for them and that you'll come back to update them and they really feel like a part of the team and it's a less isolating experience. And they felt like they got to ask you those questions because I don't think we ask that enough, like being very direct in, so what what questions do you have? Tell me your questions. I, I'm sure you have some questions. Like, do you mind sharing with me? Versus like just ask, like generally asking in a way that they might feel afraid to ask if they're confused about anything. So <laughs> off my soapbox. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I appreciate the explanation. Um, I feel like a lot of our education, at least in clinical skills, is like this very like trauma and trauma-informed care um and like really trying to bring that humanism to that like patient interaction but it's interesting that you know like you said when you got to like third year you sort of saw that like break in humanism yeah um i think because i i help teach with um clinical skills part of the elective and you can see some of that like learning from like m1 to m2 and so like when i'm observing i'll like tell them to like the students to sit down and cause it creates like a more welcoming environment. But yeah, some of that does get lost once you, I think have been doing it for like 70 hours a week for <laughs> X amount of years. Um, you kind of get into the motions of things. And that's why I said my attending doc- Dr. Clark was amazing. Cause she really made us take a step back and really, see the patient as a human, a part of their own care. And it was just very refreshing. That's awesome. So I guess taking that and like going through M4 and your AIs, I guess like what's your vision? Like how do you take that? And like what's your vision for who you are as like a practicing physician going forward? That's, that's a like tough, a big question. I that's know. a big <laughs> question. Um, like drop that on you. <laughs> And it's a tough question. I think I have like the ideal version of what I would like to be 
with realizing I'm still at a point where I'm growing towards that and I have not obviously perfected that. I don't think anyone will be able to 100% all the time perfect their ideal version. But I really want to be a physician that does take in that humanism aspect that's my favorite part of medicine and just making sure that I slow down, have these conversations with patients, making sure they feel very loved and cared for and that the team has their best interest and that they're not afraid to ask questions. Like I don't, I almost want to like break down that like hierarchical um, sense that there is like you have your resident and then you're attending above and kind of want to break that down and like we're all a team we are all learning we're all a part of this care and like that's how I want to be an attending eventually and then I love med ed so I want to create like a very inclusive learning environment that students feel like they walk away from like me attending a week and being like wow I think I really got a, a handle on like two two diseases or something. Or I feel like I could reach out to that attending to ask additional questions or, or something like that. I guess I just yeah. want to be like a nice human being, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a tough question because I feel like everyone would kind of yeah. say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but like just... Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's it's easy to get caught up in, like, your job and, like, losing that sort of identity that you are outside of your job. Um, yeah. So I think, like, like you said, like, recognizing now that that's something you want to hold on to is, you know, like, the first step. Like, I think that's awesome. And I don't think a lot of people can, like, say that they've identified that as, you know, what they want to hold on to going forward as, like, their physician identity. Um, so I guess let's talk about M4 year and, you know, the whirlwind that is applying to residency. Like, how did that go for you? Um, it went well. Fourth year is definitely the best year. Uh, (laughs) um, after you've like submitted your applications and everything, the first, you know, first quarter is a little stressful with step two and applying. Um, but it went well. It was so for those who don't know, because I didn't really know about this process until kind of being thrown into it, um, the first like quarter of M4 year includes doing step two, making sure you do your personal statement, make sure all your letter of rec writers turn in their letters of rec, um, kind of getting your application all set, researching a whole bunch of schools to figure out like narrowing down from so for medpeds there's only like a little under 80 programs so like narrowing that down i only applied to 24 i think but however many you need to apply to it's actually very low um um but you need to apply to however many you can to at least get 10 interviews you really want 10 for medpeds, if you rank 15, 
there's like a 99.99% chance you'll match unless there was some big red flag during interviews. Uh, um, but so yeah, it's kind of stressful because you have to do all this stuff. You're going through your AIs at the same time um, for specialties that need them. You're doing away rotations. And this is all in the span of like three, four months. <laughs> um, and then it gets a little stressful and it was personally for me. So um, luckily MedPeds, they all were like releasing interview invites around the same time. And I had nice um, preceptors. I was outpatient and they were like, whenever your watch buzzes that you get an email from a program, I want you like, we're going to go into every patient's room together. And I want you just to give me a look and say, I'm sorry, I have to step out for a second because time is of the essence because while MedPeds is, um, of the nice, like, um, field where they only send as many invites as there are spots, it doesn't guarantee you a day, and you're trying to coordinate 10, 15, some people 20, however yeah. many interviews you have. And you're like, well, I can't do it on these three days because I've already scheduled interviews. And so that's really stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that um, sounds just like chaos. You're just yeah. <laughs> it's chaos. living every day. Yeah, very much <laughs> chaos. Like pain. any buzz on your phone. You're like, you mute all the rest of your like phone at... Uh, and like Apple watch notifications, except for text and email. And you have your email, send your phone texts. Every time you get an email from like X amount of like email addresses, yeah. it was very, it was all I could think about. Like I couldn't, I would go to the gym. I work out at planet fitness and I'd bring my laptop because <laughs> you would get, wh- I had to stop workouts <laughs> a few times to like run over to a table to like log in it's very stressful, but then you have oh. interviews and that's actually like less stressful, believe it or yeah. not. <laughs> but then you make it and then you're, you're, you're fine. <laughs> so what were your feelings going into match day? I mean, it's like a huge week, lots of energy. Like, did you have an inkling? Like, I mean, obviously you got what you wanted, right? But yeah. like, what, how was that experience? Oh, um, so I feel like I was fine from when I submitted my, uh, rank list to like the week of match, which was a good, like almost two months. I was fine. I kind of focused on other things and was living my own life. I did, you know, some people will advise you to send like a love letter. It's like a letter of intent to your top program, which I did just so I could make myself feel better that I've done everything I can. Uh, who knows if they even read it um, <laughs> or even <laughs> opened the email. Um, but going into match day, I was extremely anxious. I went to breakfast with my family and like couldn't really eat my meal. I was just super stressed. Um <laughs> They, like, came out, like, everyone's like, where are the envelopes? Where are the envelopes? <laughs> we were just all stressed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, and then, like, getting the envelope and them saying, like, don't open it yet. And then I get an email. They sent, like, the match email early. And so then I opened it. And they're like, wait a second. I'm like, well, that or I opened this email. Like, let me see this. <laughs> um, 
And I was shocked. You can tell. Um, my husband would say I'm silly, and he he like knew it was gonna match there, but like, um, it's just because he's sweet and believes in me, and sometimes I don't believe yeah. in myself. But um, <laughs> I was very very much shocked. Um, I felt confident that maybe I'd match in like my top five at least, but to see like my first like pick where they only take four residents, I was like. I have pictures of me ugly crying. So. <laughs> so I was so shocked. That is awesome. Yeah, you should be so proud of that. That's a huge, I mean, like everyone who's graduating med school is a huge accomplishment. But yeah. you guys, I'm just, it's like so good to see you guys happy at the end of this journey. And like it brings hope to the rest of us, you know, that there's an end to this journey and see what the end of the tunnel is. Um yeah, I, I like, walked through that hallway in front of Kreisky on match day, and it was just, like, so many emotions. There were, like, people crying in the corner. There were, like, people jumping up and down. Like, people just, like, openly drinking in the middle of Kreisky. <laughs> yeah. It was a, chaos. <laughs> yeah, very much chaotic. And I think that night I crashed, or, like, the day after. I yeah, like fell asleep. I think at the table. I was like, I'm so tired. All these emotions. I'm now like drained. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long week to be like amped up about something. Just yeah, thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. You get excited Monday because you like find out, and then you're like riding that until Wednesday. And everyone I was talking to, they're like, All right, this was fun. Like, let us know now, like where where we're going. <laughs> So you opted to open it not on stage in front of everybody. Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> I've gotten um, feedback from my LC preceptor that whatever I'm feeling is very evident on my face. Um, so I didn't want to open it and be disappointed. And not saying like I wouldn't have loved to go to like my x amount of schools i just think you envision like your life and all the areas even you know even if i got my number two or whatnot like you envision how your life's gonna look being a resident there everything and i just i feel like you have to be a a little upset and i wouldn't be able to to like not show it if i read it on stage even though i'd be like super happy you just, you need a second to process, like, oh, it's not X, Y, or Z. So. Yeah. I no, to go I, off yeah. stage. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. I just feel like people who go up there to open it on stage are just so brave. And, like, and you yeah, can, I mean, like, it'd be so hard to, like, hide your emotions. And you can tell the emotions. Like, I've before when I was M3 watching it, like, you could see when people open it and we're, like, a little upset or you know you you can see that people aren't as like good at hiding their initial you know 0.2 seconds of a reaction yeah (laughs) right those micro expressions yeah people definitely read them (laughs) well yeah i glad it you know like i said i'm just so happy for you guys that you're doing what you want to do and like that's huge um so to wrap it up favorite memory from med school 
That's oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's gonna be hard to pick one. I will say the Monday of match week was really, really fun. Um, just getting to see all my classmates where you don't really see anyone during your third year. You might see like the one person on your rotation or them on Zoom when you're going to didactics, but um, that was really nice. And then seeing like catching up with everyone to see like what they finally like applied into and what they're on and excitement for like future plans and like I swear like 10 people get engaged and married in fourth year so kind of catching up on that and that was really fun so I'll say that (laughs) (laughs) okay where do you see yourself five years from now hmm maybe doing a med ed fellowship, maybe just being involved in academic medicine, whether that's being a first year attending um, and having residents and like working with um, the University of Colorado, like Med Pete's program, or if that's working and then like an outpatient site. I haven't decided yet. Inpatient, outpatient. The world's my oyster. Yeah, you could go anywhere, yeah. could do anything. <laughs> um, favorite podcast episode? I think my favorite one was by... It was the one Rachel hosted, and it was um, The Shame in Medicine. Like, one of my absolute favorite episodes. Yes. Hands that down. was like one of the very first good. ones I listened to. Yeah. Yeah. That was excellent. It's very good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the guest was just, uh, I could probably listen to that like anytime I need to pick me up. I just listen to that and be like, you're right. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. such a good episode. Yeah, you're yeah. totally right. Um, you just did an episode about the power of music and its connections to memory and your dementia in the arts episode. Uh, so what's going to be the song that brings you back to medical school? Oh, back to medical school? It'd yeah, probably like be... the one where you listen to and you're like, I am having flashbacks to oh. like listening to Dr. Giffen lecture about the cerebellum. I had a lo-fi playlist that I would listen all the time. Probably if it's the preclinical years, I had a Pokemon lo-fi playlist. <laughs> I think that would bring bring me back. That's awesome. But the lo-fi is so chilling. I'd be like calm while also <laughs> reminiscing and being a little stressed. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> Pokemon Lo-Fi. Yeah, I've not listened to Pokemon Lo-Fi, but maybe I'll give that a shot. We'll say the link will be in the show notes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, One more question. If you could go back, give yourself a message to your first day walking into UCOM, what would you tell yourself? That you'll make it. (laughs) Take a deep breath. Believe in yourself. Um, make sure to 
take care of yourself and your relationships. So please cook because you enjoy cooking and eat well-balanced meals, get your sleep, work out, you know, take in an hour to watch RuPaul's Drag Race or whatever um, thing you're watching with your husband. Like, do do that. Um, You'll actually study better when you set out those times. Um, And yeah, believe in yourself because... You'll get there. You'll you'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, thank you again for doing this episode with me. Um, it's my honor, especially. But I will, I will let you do the final sign off. Oh gosh. Well, it was a pleasure being on the podcast. Um, thank you, I guess, for inviting me. Um, and then this is Alex, kind of signing off. Hope you enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm.